Hi there, I'm Larry Walsh, and this is Pod 2112, the official podcast of the 2112 Group, where we talk with executives, thought leaders, and influencers about the trends shaping the industry and the world around us. Challenge conflict is a fact of life. Vendors spend huge sums of money and time trying to mitigate channel conflict through such mechanisms as rules of engagement policies, deal registration programs, teaming agreements, and good old-fashioned horse trading. Despite their efforts, channel conflict persists for a number of reasons. Sometimes it's just a simple mistake in which a direct rep inadvertently offers a deal to the account of a partner. Sometimes channel conflict is a result of poor compensation policies in which direct reps are conditioned to think of working with partners as a tax on their commissions and quotas. Sometimes a customer insists on buying direct, cutting partners out of a sale in the pursuit of better pricing and more favorable terms. Sometimes it's the partner that creates the conflict by wandering into a vendor's named account. And sometimes channel conflict is just simply systemic. A vendor may make claims of being channel-centric or channel-friendly, but in reality, routinely undercuts partners based on their own self-interest. Partnerships require give and take, and while partnership implies equity, it's rarely built on equal terms. Vendors typically have the upper hand in channel relationships, and that's often why partners feel more than aggrieved when conflict happens. This is also why channel conflict has consequences. If a vendor doesn't show a good faith effort to manage channel conflict, partners will lose trust and shift business to competitors and partners aren't shy about sharing their experiences and perceptions with peers. Serious channel conflict issues have a way of going viral and costing vendors big. Joining us today is someone who is dealing with a particularly severe case of channel conflict, Pat Carrillo, the CEO and chairman of Atrion Communications in New Jersey. For the past year, Atrion has been working a deal worth $9.5 million with a longtime customer that steadily generated more than a million dollars in revenue annually. Unfortunately, the customer acquired another company that had a direct relationship with Atrion's vendor, and that created a major conflict. This is a tale that cost Atrion the long-anticipated $9.5 million deal and a whole lot more, as it is no longer authorized to sell the vendor's products. Pat Gorilla will share the rest of the story, but just so everyone knows, we're not using the names of, of the other companies involved as the matter is still in dispute. And with that, Pat, welcome to Pod 2112. Oh, thank you, Larry. Nice to be here. Oh, it's been a while since we've spoken. You know, Pat, you had posted the, the genesis of this conversation was from a post you had up on uh, on Facebook a couple of uh, a couple of days from before we recorded this, uh, talking about how you had a a bit of channel conflict with one of your vendors that cost you uh, nine and a half million dollars. And that's not just, that's just the one deal, but it also probably affected the the business with with your customer, which would have been generating about a million to a million and a half annually, you've said. Can you just bring us through the high level of this and and as a reminder to to our listeners we're not going to use names here we're just going to we want to talk about you know this the the consequences of these scenarios so pat why don't you just be at a high level bring us up to you know what actually happened here about uh we've had a customer that we've been selling to for seven years and pretty much year to year we're somewhere between a million and a million and a half dollars a year selling this one vendor's product we also sell them some other stuff about a year ago, that customer bought a, another company, and that company is a service provider. This vendor that, we're, that I was dealing with decided they'd like to move that business over to the SP side. And I, I, I know they had a little bit of a relationship before we dealt with them. 
but this was business that we'd been working on. We did all the designing, implementing, planning, and selling the product to them, like I say, for the last seven years. We sat down and we drew the network diagrams and said, this is what you need to buy. They bought it. Customer was extremely happy with, with what we were doing. But when the service provider thing came into the into play, uh, that's where the problem started because they didn't want to deal with us, the service provider side of the house. And they seemed to have more power, I guess, than the enterprise side because they actually took the account away from the enterprise salesman that we'd worked with for seven years and moved it over on June 30th to the other side of their business, to their service provider side. Right, and we're talking about this being the the enterprise, the two different divisions within the within the vendor, one for enterprise accounts and one for service provider accounts. Right, and the parent company is an enterprise account that we were dealing with that bought right. the service provider. Right. So we then, when we, we heard that was going on, we, we reached out to the vice president of sales that was over both and said, hey, uh, I want to make sure there's not going to be an issue here because we've been trying to talk to your service provider folks and they don't seem to want to give us the time of day. And, uh, oh, I'll take care of it. Yeah, you're a great partner. We're going to work with you. We'll do something. And, you know, we went back and forth and told them why it was so important to us because we were making some big investment investments and we were counting on this revenue. I, I made that perfectly clear. And, oh, we'll, we'll figure it out. So why, why don't you do this? Why don't you send me a proposal how we could do this together? So, okay. So we sent them a proposal. Didn't hear much. Finally, I reached back out and I got told, I, I was told, uh, oh, he'll have to get back to you. He's, he's tied up. And I said, well, look, why don't we do this? Why don't I get on an airplane, fly to his office, and we meet? Oh, there's no need to do that. We ended up going back and forth. And then he finally talked to me and he said, or I should say his admin talked to me and said, he's going to be in New Jersey. He'd like to meet with you there. I, I said, great, that'll be perfect. Yeah, he came to New Jersey. He met with Verizon, got back on the plane. and went back to wherever he came from. And uh, I got a phone call again from the admin saying, oh, he got tied up. He's not going to be able to see you. And the next thing I know, you know, we get a, a, a call. I finally get the guy on the line. It took me about a month. And I said, hey, uh, what's going on? You know, we're, we're trying to get this thing done. We're still having issues with your other other team, you know. The sales guy who handles us, he's frustrated. And I understand now he's going to lose the account June 30th. Yeah, well, don't worry. We're still, we're still going to work with you. And uh, send, us a, send us another plan. So we sent him another plan. Um, I think we, I, I know we sent at least three. We may have sent four. And finally, the fourth one was totally detailed. We laid it out and said, here's everything. Here's how we could win. The customer can win. And the vendor could win, the manufacturer. So we said, it's pretty straightforward. It's real simple. The customer's happy with the current pricing, so we don't have to change anything there. But let's let's just make it so that uh, everybody everybody gets a share. We'll take less, this, especially on this order, because it's a big order. We understand that. It must have fell on, fell on deaf ears or whatever, because I never heard anything. It sounds as though you were you were making a good faith you know good faith effort to come to some type of terms to preserve not just preserve your business but also to keep your vendor whole in this and and just to be clear on this 
this wasn't just something that was at the last minute where you're looking at a new master service agreement needed to go in place, as you said, it, that went in at the end of June. This has been going on for since at least the beginning of the year, so January 2018. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a good six or seven, eight months. I forget exactly the timing, but like I said, I finally made another phone call, and I, I was told, look, I'm going to have my the guy under him. I don't know what his title is. I'm going to have this guy call you and work things out. The guy did reach out to me. He called me up when I was with another customer and said, hey, uh, you have time to talk? I said, not right now. I said, but I want to have a call more than you. I want to have a call with everybody. And that's what we were insisting for the whole time. We kept insisting from January on that we have a meeting with the customer, with the vendor's people, and uh, from both sides of their house and with our people. Mm-hmm. And uh, never, never did have that meeting. And you know, through and through this as well is that there wasn't just uh, the you know, you kept making the effort to to push this forward. You kept submitting at at your vendor's request for business plans. Your customer was actually involved in this as well, as you say. Um, they were the ones saying that they wanted to continue continue to buy from Atrion, and yep. and and there was no complaint on price. So there was there was. It should have been, as you said, you were trying to come up with equitable terms for everybody. So, and then in the end, you were then what happened? What what happened in the end of all this? Well, there, let me just give you one other step in the middle. I did have the chance to talk to the sales guy for the service provider side. And he asked me what we were selling at and whatever. And I, I, I told him, I said, here's where we're at and here's what we're buying at. And, oh, no, we can't do that. And I said, well, you understand with this size order, we can do something. So then he said, well, you, you buy direct from us, right? And I said, no, we buy from Ingram Micro. And, oh, no, that's going to take more points. We can't do that. So as in the proposal I wrote, I made it clear to him that, you know, if you want to do that, they wanted to give me a new DVAR contract where I could just buy direct, which would cut out Ingram Micro. And I said, but I want you to know, I really value their relationship, and I'd prefer that we stay with Ingram Micro. If it's a problem and we can't, well, you could explain it to Ingram Micro. I'm not going to. And, you know, that was where we had left off. Well, subsequently, when, the, when we had the final phone call where this other guy had set up for me to have this call with almost everybody except the customer, he didn't have the customer involved, which was pretty upsetting. He uh, had the guy just from the SP side on the phone call and two junior people from the channel side. And... You know, he basically started out the conversation by saying to me that, oh, we, we still want to work together. You know, we're not going to hurt your business and so on and so forth. He said, you know, we don't want to hurt your business, but and I knew, uh-oh, what's this but? And he said, uh, well, the customer has asked if they could buy direct, and we, we had to give them a new MSA so that they could buy direct. And, you know, that was great because at the same time they gave them the new MSA, they cut our discount so that we couldn't compete. I mean, but at, at this point, though, you, they'd already stopped giving you your your usual and customary discount that you've been selling to this customer at for years. So yeah, they, yeah. they had stopped doing. That. As a matter of fact, we had ended up taking an order from the customer where we took it at a loss because the customer needed delivery, and he he called up and he said, "Hey, I, I need that equipment." So we filled the order, hoped we could work it out on the back end with them. We couldn't. 
And so we took it at a loss. And in our final proposal we had sent them, we even pointed out to them, look, we just took some orders at a loss. We've got three more quotes in front of us that the customer wants us to fill. We need quote, we need pricing. So they finally gave us some pricing, which left us with a little bit of margin and we filled those orders. So we actually made a couple bucks on, on those orders. But you know, then there were more quotes that came in and we were told basically we can't quote them. And then the next thing I knew, I, let's just put it this way, I did lose my temper. As, as I think you would when you when you see your family business getting destroyed. You know, we made some big investments based on the fact we knew this business was coming. And we made that clear to the vendor, VP, that this was coming seven or eight months before. And uh, I guess it didn't seem to matter to them. And I said, you know, you can't be doing this. And if I have to, I, I've got people that I know that are, I have a Nobel Prize winning writer that's a friend of mine and he would love to write a story about this. Well, boom. Next thing I know, I get a letter saying your contract's canceled. You know, this, it's not surprising that, you know, it didn't end well because if I'm hearing the story correctly, even if you know, at the, that last call you're talking about where they said that they still want to find a way of working with you, but they had to give the customer an MSA, the customer relationship was pretty much the, the foundation of that was pretty much gone. We were left in the dark. And like I said, even their own sales team on the enterprise side got shafted on the deal. And, uh, you know, I felt bad for that guy. He worked on that deal for seven years with us, you know, and busted his butt along with my guy and, and, and our services team to keep these guys happy. And then to have like, oh, that's not worth anything to me. You know, uh, to give you an idea this, we've been with this vendor for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And I'm a very loyal guy. I turned down the president of one of their competitors, wanted to give me stock options because he knew me from a previous company to bring that business over to his company. And I told him, no, I'm, you know, they treat me good. I'm going to be loyal. I'm not going to do that. I turned down the president of the biggest company in this industry, who's a friend of mine, who called me by the name I can't report here because it would, uh, but he called me by that vendor's name whenever he saw me. Mm -hmm. And had me on their executive council for three years trying to convince me to move that vendor's product over to him. And I finally said, I can't do it. You know, it, they, they're, they're treating me good. And when I say treating me good, the, lo the local team was great. You know, mm -hmm. if you got a good local team and a good channel guy, you could do a lot of things even when you got a company that's got a lousy program, you know. And I've always supported these guys uh, very big time. When I'd get a phone call from, you know, CRN or whatever, and they'd say, hey, did you hear that they're doing this or this guy left? I'd say, doesn't matter. Long as the local team is still here and they're treating us good, we're going to do great and we're going to stay with it. You know, and that was, you, know, you read some old CRNs, you'll see tons of quotes from me like that. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah it just, for me, it was, uh, and it still is, I, I, I lost some sleep. Still am, because I think about it when I lay down and start thinking, how could someone treat someone that's been that loyal to them for that many years with the disdain that they treated our company and me? But you know, on on top of that, so you lost a nine and a half million dollar deal. You lost, you know, the business which was generating a steady million to million and a half for you every year. Uh, but now you're you've been deauthorized by this particular vendor. And that's got to be affecting your other business as well, that you can't source their product to satisfy your other accounts at which you just said that you've been loyally supporting mutually for years. Correct. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big issue. You know, we're, 
we're scrambling. We, we've interviewed. We had two different vendors in yesterday trying to fill one part of the what that company was selling us. Uh, and uh, we're having the third one in soon where I know the other CEO. And uh, so they're going to be coming in, but it still doesn't help because, you know, I'm not one of those guys that wants to say, I know I sold you X product last month, but Y product is even better now. So let's, let's pull that X stuff out and go with Y. Yeah. Uh, you know, that you lose a little credibility as being a trusted advisor when you start pulling stuff like that. Right. Has it, has, I mean, like we talk about channel conflict all the time and it's not unusual. It happens. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's a fact of life in the business. Sometimes, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose when you're, when you knock up against uh, direct sales, but has anything like this happened to you? You know, you know, maybe not even at this scale, but to Atron, has this ever happened to where the vendor actually is just so obstinate that they, they basically end up, costing you the way they costing you now yes but not nowhere near this scale but I, yeah. I, there, there were two other examples and it turned out to be the same vendor uh over a long period of time so this is this is nothing recent this vendor had bought the vendor we were dealing with previous to that and we were selling to two major accounts again probably a million million and a half a year and when that new this new company bought them they said both of those accounts were uh, SP accounts, ISPs, so they moved it over to the other side, and uh, we lost that business. And at the time, I couldn't really fight it too much because I, you know, I didn't really know the new parent company that well yet. Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, I, I reached out to the SP side back then and said, "Hey, what, what, I knew the one guy. I said, what's going on?" And in the one case, it went so far as the CIO of the, the company, which is now a very big phone company, wrote a letter, which I have somewhere, and, and told the company, we want to buy from Atreon. And they just totally disregarded it. And then he left and it died. Matter of fact, while he was still there, we got a few orders. And then when he, once, he, once he retired or wherever he went, we were, we were done. There is a lesson here that there are consequences. There are, you know, severe, you know, significant consequences when you don't manage conflict well. What's the, what's the one thing that, that you hope that a channel chief listening to this would take away from your story? Well, that, that, you, that you reward loyalty, number one. But the, the, the other thing is what I tell other guys like me is every time you do a new contract with somebody you think you're going to do some significant business with, it to a lawyer. I don't have a lawyer. I'm, you know, on staff, and I don't, I don't like using lawyers. And so we kind of look at them ourselves. And as long as there's certain T's and C's that are okay with us, we go okay. Well, you know, when I read this contract finally after this all happened, I went, oh my God, who signed this thing? Oh, I did. So I'd say make sure if you think you're going to do significant business to somebody, you, you, you either get them to redline it or you just don't do business with it. So I'm going to ask you the, the you know somewhat of a leading question. You know they all, you, in the industry we talk about things like loyalty and rewarding loyalty, but we also measure it through instruments like Net Promoter Scores. And the Net Promoter is the one that asks that question: Would you recommend this company to a friend or a colleague? So Pat, you know again, not going to name the company, but you do get around. You do talk to a lot of people. <laughs> What's your answer to that question going to be going forward? No, I wouldn't recommend them at all, and and not just because of this. Th this would be why I definitely wouldn't recommend them. Previous to this, I might have recommended one part of their business because they really screwed up the other part, and if I say what that is, you'll know who I'm talking about. 
they've got serious internal problems and serious other problems. And I think that's why we, you know, we're going to make up for our problem by we'll take it out on somebody else. Oh, Pat, we're going to take your business direct so we can make a few extra points of margin and, uh, you know, make our stockholders happy. So I wrote to their stockholders. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> that, should yeah, make, I, that, makes, that should make for some interesting reading for some people. I sent it to the chairman of their board. And he had their lawyer call me, which is what I was told would happen. And the lawyer was really nice, really nice guy. I, I really, for the op opposition's lawyer, he was pretty straightforward, you know, and uh, told me what to be careful about. Be careful what you say on Facebook. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Social media. Yeah. So. Which we all should, you know, to be frank, but yeah, no. Well, Pat, we wish you uh, we wish you the best in uh, in getting your business back on track and you know sharing your story with us today. We you know truly appreciate it. It's a good lesson oh. in the consequences of channel conflict. Thank you, Larry. And there you have it. You found another reason why it's always best to keep your friends close by listening to us talk about channel conflict here on Pod Twenty One Twelve. I want to thank our guest, Pat Carollo of Atreon Communications, for joining us today. I also want to thank all of you for joining us in Pod Twenty One Twelve, a production of the Twenty One Twelve Group a business research and strategy firm. Join us again when we talk with industry executives, thought leaders, and influencers about the market and the world around us. Don't miss a single episode of Pod 2112. Subscribe today on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about 2112 Group services, email us at info at the2112group.com, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Thanks again. I'm Larry Walsh.